Welcome back. Welcome back. I truly hope you are enjoying living in Babylon so far. It's not meant to be an exclusive study of Babylon from a scriptural context, but it's about being a Christian in a, a society that doesn't honor or even appreciate the God that we serve. And this has been an ongoing theme throughout the scriptures. In the book of Psalms, Psalms 137, the Jews, these same folks that Daniel's people who had been taken at captivity into Babylon speak of their longing for their homeland. And we are longing also here in this kingdom. We are longing for a kingdom that's not built with hands. And we've been promised that in the scriptures, that this is not our home that we are passing through. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We may live in America or Europe or Africa or wherever you may be listening from. But if you are a Christian, our citizenship has changed. We have a heavenly passport. We will be going uh, to visit a heavenly home and a heavenly rule will be established here upon this earth as promised in the book of Revelation. So living in Babylon is a testimony, actually. It's a chronicling of life in this day and age and period that we that we find ourselves in. And we're just looking back to the scriptures for a reflection and for teaching to help us navigate our way through the system. And we'll do that by understanding exactly what the system is spiritually and physically, how it's been set up so that we can navigate it properly and victoriously. And in Psalm 137, it said, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth. The ones that killed us required us to be happy, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. Verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And verse 8 says, O daughter of Babylon, who art thou to be destroyed? Happy shall be, shall he be that rewarded thee as thou hast served us. Basically, when you get back what you gave to us, that reward for us is going to be great. Happy shall he be that taketh and dashes thy little ones against the stones. 
There was some bitterness there. They were treated very poorly as a whole um, in captivity in Babylon. And we see in society today how poorly Christians are treated. Our rights are trampled upon. When we proclaim the word of God, we are called troublemakers and hate mongers and people rise up against us and persecute us for declaring and proclaiming the word of God. So this is not something new. We have to be encouraged because this has been going on since the beginning of time. So our study today is going to start in Daniel chapter 6 because we're going to find out a little bit more about how detailed and organized this kingdom of Babylon was. Verse 1 says, It pleased Darius, we've got a new king on the scene, to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give an account unto them, and the king should have no damage to make sure nothing went wrong in the province. They have plenty of eyes everywhere. And here is Daniel still prospering in the kingdom. It says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. The king was thinking about giving Daniel dominion over everything. So that lets us know it doesn't matter who's in charge, because ultimately God is in charge. He tells us in previous chapter 5 and 4, when he's speaking to the kings, Nebuchadnezzar and his son uh, or uh, descendant Belshazzar, who had also taken the throne, he basically let them know, I'm the one that has given you the throne. I've given you the power. I've given you the empire. But what they did is they began to take it upon themselves. They were taking all the credit and all the glory for themselves. And here is Daniel, a child of God, prospering in spite of what is going on. You know, I was driving today and I began to think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fact that they were friends of Daniel and they were thrown in the fiery furnace, but Daniel wasn't thrown in the furnace. And the thought came to me is, and it was because Daniel was so high up already back then, Remember, Daniel was sitting in the king's gate. He was doing what a king would normally do, settling the affairs of the people. So at that time, it appears they were not able to touch Daniel. So what they did is they touched the closest thing to him, which were his three friends. And that was a lesson that God was telling me. When the enemy can't get you, he'll go after the people that are close to you. And the fact that they would not bow down and that they were thrown in a fiery furnace goes to show you that the Babylonian Empire is a violent <coughs> empire. It is violent. 
And that's why you will hear scriptures, especially pertaining to spiritual warfare, that talks about the vile and take it by force. Because in the spiritual realm, it is a battle. And the enemy is playing for keeps. And verse 4, Then the president and the princess sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion or fault, for as much he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. And here we go, the princes. When you think about princes, think about principalities. When the Bible says that we fight against rulers, principalities in high places, there are always two realms going on at the same time in the world. You have the natural realm and you have the spiritual realm. So here they have set up princes and presidents. And they were jealous of Daniel and they sought to find fault in him. But Daniel was excellent in everything he did and he was faithful. Yes, he lived in Babylon. Yes, he was Probably not technically a, a citizen of Babylon. He came in as a slave. But guess what? He was faithful. And that's why, even though we're in the midst of Babylon, God commands us to pray for those who are in leadership and to pray for those who are in charge. Then said these men, we're not going to find. We shall not find an occasion. And I will paraphrase some of the words sometimes. But make sure you are following along in your Bible. And these men said, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And here we go. Satan. Who is Satan? Who is the accuser of the brethren? That is Satan. And here these accusers of the brethren are looking for fault in Daniel. And where do they decide to go? They're going to try to catch him with the law. Verse 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, and the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, a legal law, a royal statute, a law of the land. They worked together and it's the same way the system works together now. All the different, um, Entities, the police forces, the, the governors, the police, the judicial system, even the educational system, the health system. Many of these systems are under demonic influences and they conspire together to present things to trap up the people of God. Verse 7, 
and said they consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, except for you, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. It said any god. The reason they said that because there were a multitude of gods that people were serving. And that hasn't changed. There's still a multitude of gods that people are serving and worshiping. Idol worship is rampant in the world right now. If you, we have to get out of our four walls of our home and our church and our state and our city and we've got to begin to have a global mindset. And if you begin to scan the world globally, that's why I've always had an interest in studying other religions and faith, and I find other news interesting that would take me overseas and globally and try to see and pray about and make connections with what's going on here in the United States and how we are influenced. And we think these things are harmless because we don't understand them. And I'm not bashing anyone's religion, but I'm saying that if you look at the Buddhists, the Hindus, the Muslims, there are so many different sects um, and groups, and it's it's there for consumption. You can pull up a YouTube video and see them going to the shrines and the grottoes and into the hills, which the Bible described all of these things that the people would go up into the hills, and that's where they built their altars. And you'll see the gods made out of metal and wood and stone and carved and shaped and, and dressed and food left out for the gods and the gods attendant to uh, by people and worshipers coming for thousands of miles and making pilgrimages and treks to worship these gods and these idols. So they made a decree because Guess what? Daniel was faithful to our God, the one and true and only living God. He was faithful to God. A lot of times when we are living in an environment where people are worshiping so many different things or just lack faith altogether, our faith, many Christians allow their faith to be diminished. And they try to blend in and not stand out as different. They straddle the fence, become lukewarm in their Christianity. But we can see here in faith, they didn't call it Christianity then, that Daniel was on fire for God. And he was high up in the Babylonian system, and it wasn't a secret. He wasn't worshiping secretly, because this is why 
they were able to try to find something against him. So they said, we're going to trip him up with his, because of what he's doing, how he's serving his God. Because they knew that Daniel prayed so many times a day. So they came up with the law, the decree, and verse 8 said, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and decree. So, I want to take my time here. I don't want to rush through this. But I want you to recognize the importance of a couple of things. That how laws are established in the spiritual realm. And in the natural realm. They came together. They agreed on it. And then. They put it in writing. They signed the writing. They established a decree. And declared that it would not be changed. According to the law of the Medes. And the Persians. Which alters not. And Darius signed the writing, and the decree. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which, which altereth not, means they don't change. A little research on the laws of the Medes and Persians, wow, yielded some stunning, but not surprising results. We'll just put it like this, just like the... Um, Babylonians were crafty at designing punishments, so were the Medes and the Persians. I think they had people whose job it was. They probably got paid a hefty penny just to think of ways to put people to death who break the laws or break the king's decrees. It said in verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did before. He didn't change his routine. He went right on to the house and he did his three times a day. He knelt down and he prayed. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Remember the decree said you couldn't make any request of any God for 30 days. 
Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. It also means it's not voidable. You can't void it. You can't get around um, the king's law. It's unalterable and it's unvoidable. So this leads us back to the reason that God had such an issue and God's people had such conflict with Babylon because they felt that their power was so absolute, the different rulers. And Daniel has now gone through several rulers, several different kings have taken over Babylon, and Daniel has risen up in the power ranks through all of these. So there's a lesson in studying the life of Daniel. What was it about Daniel and his lifestyle that allowed him to flourish regardless of who was in the office. He didn't sit around and complain and say, oh no, well, now Cyrus is in the office and talk about Cyrus all day and Cyrus all night. But he gave Cyrus a Caesar just like Jesus told him what was due to them and he gave God what was due to God. He continued to pray three times a day. He didn't change his routine. And so these guys went before the king and brought it to the king's attention. Verse 13, Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, of praise, regardeth not thee. He does not care about what you said, king, nor the decree that you have signed but maketh his petition three times a day. So one of the characteristics of Daniel that we see is that Daniel was a praying man. What will keep you in Babylon? Prayer, an avid, voracious prayer life will keep us in Babylon. Why? Because our prayer life keeps us in constant connection with God. An active prayer life shifts our focus and our attention off the earthly, and it carries us into a heavenly realm. Then the king, verse 14, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled to the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. They 
even put the king in a bind. They put the king in a position where even he could not change his word once it had been established and decreed because he was trying to figure out a way to save Daniel because Daniel was over with him. Then the king commanded that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. He didn't have a choice. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, By God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king filled it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And this is the same thing that happened in the spiritual realm with our spiritual enemies. They could make a decree against us. But today we know that no decree written or verbal coming from any kingdom has any power over us as children of God. And every decree is alterable and can become null and void and overridden by our God and our Lord, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, God found him with a clean heart, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. In this moment, we are going to make a decree over our lives that we are innocent in God's sight. 